being the first African-American actor to open as Riff, you know, that's already a blessing, but it, like that comes with its challenges as well, too. People are putting pressures on you and like people expect things from you and people are, you know, don't think that you can do it. And it's a whole bunch of stuff. And I was able to bring that with me onto the stage so I can make the way I play the role different than how the other actors have played the role. Because the experiences are different, you know, you see a African-American riff and you see a white riff and you know they don't, they might say the same lines, they might have the same track, but they are not going through the same things. And so I definitely wanted to make that clear. Storytelling comes in many forms, each evoking different emotions for its audience. In the past, Immigrantly has mainly focused on television, film and literature as various avenues of storytelling. However, we have yet to dive into the world of theatre. Whenever we record in studio, my guests and I have to navigate through the theatre district. But due to the pandemic, we were no longer able to make our way through tourists and the hustle and bustle of Midtown Manhattan to get to the studio. In March of last year, shows were shut down to help stop the spread of COVID-19. Unfortunately, what actors, producers and theatre goers thought would be one month turned into a year and a half. But then, the good news. In early September of this year, shows including Waitress and Town reopened. Unfortunately, many shows were unable to return, including the revival of West Side Story. Once an immigrant, always an immigrant. Hey, look, instead of a shampoo, she's been brainwashed. I like to be in America. Okay, by me in America. Everything free in America. The classic play started previews in December 2019 and only officially opened in February 2020. The show received acclaim for updating its 1950s content for the 21st century and for its diverse cast. Today, I am so excited to speak with Deron E. Jones. He's a highly talented musical theatre performer from Brooklyn who played Riff in West Side Story. Jones is also a multifaceted artist, performer, and content creator. His resume includes walking New York Fashion Week, performing beautiful choreography in music videos, and appearing in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. While his resume is quite impressive, I am eager to discuss the world of theater, a concept which is pretty new to me and to discuss the importance of storytelling on stage. So let's get started. Thank you, Duran, for coming on Immigrantly. I'm so excited. No problem. Thank you for having me. And I have a feeling this is going to be a very fun conversation. I hope so. I hope so. So let's start off by talking about... What got you to this point? What got you interested in arts? What was your childhood like? What's your backstory? Totally. So my childhood, I know, pretty pretty regular, I want to say. I, I got into sports when I was young, baseball, basketball, a little bit of football, but my mom didn't want me to play that. 
So just really baseball was my main sport. And I did that up until high school, really, was just sports. In fourth grade, the uh, I went to PSU 35, and a uh, nonprofit organization called National Dance Institute came to my public school, and they do like an in-school program where they teach kids some dance, and they just get them involved. And at the end of the program, they bring in usually like two students from each class to come join their actual organization. And I was one of those students, and that was the first time I like was dancing really. Like mm-hmm. I, like I said, I was playing sports up until then, and that was all it was. Um, and my sister was the dancer, so I would like go see her recital sometimes and just be like, "Yeah, claps!" Yeah. Like, but I'm doing my other other thing. And so, you know, I joined this organization, and it would they would meet every Saturday. I started going. My parents loved it. I loved it. And I went there from the fourth grade up until the eighth grade, Hmm. sort of just doing, it wasn't technical dance. It was just like, you know, kids having fun, learning steps, doing rhythm steps and like just, you know, having a good time, but nothing like technical, like ballet or jazz or modern. That was like the first time I got involved in like arts, I guess you can say. So around seventh or eighth grade, I did like a musical theater intensive as part of this nonprofit organization called National Dance Institute. From that point on, I was just like, oh, theater is kind of cool, but um, who knows? Like, I still want to play. Sp- <laughs> I still want to play sports. So, like, yeah, like whatever. Theater's cool, but I'm I'm gonna play sports still. And it wasn't until like eighth grade when I was like, okay, where am I going for high school? And I was like, I'll audition for one artistic school, and it was LaGuardia High School. And I said, if I get in, I'll go. If I don't get in, then I'll go somewhere else. And I got in. I went to LaGuardia for dance, and like for four years straight, I was dancing for three hours a day doing ballet, jazz, modern, and that was also where I did my first musical at LaGuardia. It was in Greece. Um, I was an ensemble. I was dance ah. captain, and so every year that I was eligible to do the musical at LaGuardia, I did it. So the, my sophomore year was Greece, my junior year it was In the Heights, and my senior year it was Beauty and the Beast. And wow. yeah, yeah. So it was really awesome. I got a lot of my friends involved with it too. And that's how I met so many of my friends that I have now. But so that was the start of it, really. And once it got to like junior or senior year, I was kind of just like, all right, well, do I want to do this in college? Like, do I really want to like pursue this as a career, as a craft? And I made the choice to do it. Really, it came after I saw Hamilton. Yeah. So like I, was, I saw Hamilton, I was like, <laughs> oh, I just got to be in the show right now. So <laughs> I mean, I was, like, 17, turning 18, skipping class to go to, like, open calls at 7 o'clock in the morning to see if I can just get my, my face in the room in Hamilton so they can see me. And I did a couple of times. You know, I got some callbacks when I was, like, 18, and it was great. But I just knew that I needed to learn and do more uh. before I was able to make it to the stage and make it to, like, the level that I wanted to do it at. And so, you know... I auditioned for colleges as musical theater and acting. I got into Ithaca College, and I attended there for three years consistently, and it was great. It was lovely. I I was learning a lot of my craft, um, and it was like I went there so I could get out of the dance realm of just the artistic, the, mm. the, like just the musical theater, and like get more into the acting and singing realm of that. And I feel like it really helped me out, and um, I auditioned for... The West Side Story Developmental Lab, my the summer in between my sophomore and junior year, I booked that. And so in November, December of 2018, I did the developmental workshop with West Side Story. And then they asked me to come along and be a part of the Broadway show shortly after that. But it wasn't going to be until a year later. So I was just kind of like, all right, I'm going to finish my junior year and then take off for my senior year, do the show, and then maybe come back afterwards. And, you know, that was the the plan was going smoothly um, uh-huh. up until about March of, like you said, March of 2020. 
And, you know, now I'm, like, just sort of in this freelance zone of, like, finding jobs here and there and just trying to do small things to just keep my uh, career up and keep everything going. And, you know, now I'm, like, here and <laughs> I'm happy. I'm, I'm thriving. Like, the show is not coming back. But, um, you know, I think it gave me a lot of what I needed in order to get going Absolutely. in, a, like, a, a good direction. So um, I'm happy about it. I'm happy that I was able to do it. Obviously, it's, you know— terrible that the show had to close and very heartbreaking but um you know everything happens for a reason and i'm still here and things are still coming my mm -hmm. way so i i'm you know there's upsides and there's downsides to it but overall i'm pretty happy with how things went that's so incredible and we will talk about a lot of this totally. right so we will talk about west side story but before that i want to go back to auditioning i feel like it's a vulnerable space because when you go and audition in those like two or three minutes you just have to allow other people to see your craft at its best. Mm -hmm. People try to be as perfect as they can be, although I think perfection is overrated. Right. <laughs> what was that experience like? Um, so I guess like my first real audition was I was really going into LaGuardia High School because it's like an artistic school. Uh -huh. So I had to like do a dance audition. I had to do a drama audition. And the dance audition was fine. Um, you know, like I said, I made it in. I auditioned for drama as well, LaGuardia. Didn't make it in because I had no idea what acting was at the time. <laughs> but uh, going into like my first professional audition was like crazy. I mean, I, mean, I woke up at probably 5.45 in the morning and the audition wasn't until what, 10 o'clock. So I woke up at 5.45, got to... 34th Street, Ripley Greer at like 7.30 hmm. and like put my name on an unofficial list. It was like six six names on the list, put my name on an unofficial list and then kind of just waited around until the audition started, went upstairs and like as I'm looking in the room, I'm seeing people that I've seen on Broadway stages. Like I'm seeing like, oh my God, I know that person. Oh my God, I've seen him in the show. Oh my God, I know who that is. Like I'm going crazy in my mind. Like what am I doing here right now? There's no way that I should be here in a room with these people. But I took the challenge on and I was like, you know what, like, let's just do it for like, let's just do it to see what happens. Right. Like, let's just do it for like a what if. And that was the point where like I, I met a lot of them. I was able to talk to them. I was able to, you know, just pick their brains a little bit to see what they were doing at my age. And a lot of them like I met at that time and I'm still friends with today, like especially after being on Broadway now. So now they like they've like seen me come from like a really like new comer to the car raft and now they're like you've been on broadway stage as a principal like how the hell did that happen <laughs> in that time um so it's really it's auditioning is is stressful but it's also a chance to perform for me and um i think experience with auditioning comes with just doing it it's like you know you can't really you can't get better at your abcs if you don't practice your abcs it's right. kind of like the same thing you need to practice auditioning in order to get better at auditioning or to get more comfortable at auditioning People want to see you do good. People don't want to see you fail. They don't want to see you do bad. Like, they, they're hoping that when you walk in the room that they can cast you right there. Right. And so I try to keep that positive mindset whenever I'm going into an audition because it just helps me relax. It just yeah. helps me be more in my body. It just helps me get, like, the, the tension off of, like, thinking, like, what if, like, what if they want this? Like, what if they want that? It's just, like, don't worry about what what they want. Just Love it. go in Love there and it. do what you, what you do. Be yourself. Be, like, the most authentic version of yourself. And if that's what they want, then it's already written for you. But if it's not, then, like, you know, there's more things coming along. But auditioning is definitely stressful. And seeing people at that age, at that young age, I was, like, what, 17 or 18, seeing people that I was, like, looking up to on stage in an audition room with me was definitely, like, intimidating. Yeah. But um, I've never been really one to back down from a challenge. And so, like, I was going in there and I wanted to show my stuff and I wanted them to, like, walk out and be, like, really impressed with me. So 
I think it worked out. Like, um, the first audition I went on was for Telsey and Company for Hamilton, like I said, and they had me in their files from I was when I was 17 up until, like, I was still in college and they were sending me things, yeah. so... I hope I guess I made a good impression. <laughs> I'm you know? sure you did. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, yeah. It's just one of those things where it's like you got to do it, and just as you do it, you get better at it. So let's talk about your Broadway debut in 2020 revival of West Side Story. What yeah, really? I mean, this is crazy, right? And in addition to it being a huge milestone, it was a historical one. You were the first black actor to play Riff. Um, and for our listeners who are not familiar with the story, it's a massive deal because the original storyline of West Side Story is broken up into the White Jets mm-hmm. versus the Puerto Rican Sharks. But what was so powerful about the 2020 casting as Riff and the fact that Revival basically reflected races in both groups. Mm-hmm. So it is much more representative of what New York looks like. Mm -hmm. Did you feel any pressure knowing that you were the first black actor to play Riff? And before you answer that, Mm -hmm. I just want to give a disclaimer. It pisses me off when we use terms like first black, Mm -hmm. first Muslim, first Latino, because we are in 2021. Mm -hmm. It should have been 50th. 100th, mm-hmm. 500th. So I don't think we should be congratulating ourselves on that. <laughs> right here, right here. Uh, but for you, mm-hmm. what was the experience like? Uh, I mean, just being a part of the show from the from the jump was incredible. And just, you know, getting to be in the developmental lab where we were workshopping the choreography because we changed the original Jerome Robbins choreography, which has also never been done. So the atmosphere around the whole show was historical because they were doing things with it that no one has ever done before. Mm. And so, you know, just being the first African-American actor to open as Riff, you know, that's already a blessing, but it comes with its its challenges as well, too. Right. People are putting pressures on you, then, like, people expect things from you, and people are, you know, don't think that you can do it, and it's a whole bunch of stuff, but I was already part of the show, so... I was playing a part. I was playing action before that, and I loved that part and it was great. But when I switched to riff, it the 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 track didn't change as much because we were mm. always so much, like on stage together. So I kind of re- already knew the part. It was just getting the specifics in there, and so I was never really worried about playing the role. I knew I could do it. I think I was mostly just worried about how people react to it because like i said it's the pressures of i'm the first one so if i don't do it well then there there may not be any others behind me and so i was thinking about that a lot but like i said i never backed down from a challenge and once i was like offered that and once i was given the opportunity to do that i took it on head first and i just went with it and i tried to make it my own and one of the things that made it easier for me was that as being the first African-American to play this part, I could bring things to this part that no one else who played it before could bring. Give I us could, an example. You know, just my just my African, just being a black man in America and huh. just bringing those experiences to the role, like run-ins with police, you know, just how people look at me when they see mm. me on the street, just how people perceive me when they look at me, you know. It's just things like that, and I was able to bring that with me onto the stage so I can make me, the way I play the role, different than how the other actors have played the role. Because the experiences are different, you know. You see a African-American riff and you see a white riff, and you know they don't. They might say mm. the same lines, they might have the same track, but they are not going through the same things. Absolutely. You know, and so I definitely wanted to make that clear. Even though this role has traditionally been cast as white, that 
if y'all can just open your minds a little bit up to the opportunity that an African-American man can play this and just, you know, give me that space and give me that comfort, I think I'll be able to change a couple of minds. And honestly, that was all I really wanted to do was just let people see that this role could be played by a person of any color, really. Duran, was there anything uncomfortable about mm-hmm. the process itself? Did anyone or anything make you uncomfortable? Um, I don't think anything really made me uncomfortable. There were definitely things surrounding the show that were like, there wasn't enough transparency between, you know, the creative team mm. or like the management team and then the cast. Like there was a lot of things happening. There were injuries, um, like, you know, switching roles came very quickly. So there were a lot of things that uh, were just happening very quickly and that I wish I would have gotten a much more clear explanation on. And I feel like a lot of the cast will, would agree with that as well. But there were, you know, like I said, this was my first Broadway mm. show, so I didn't really know how things go. Right. Like, so I'm just like, all right, great, we're doing that, cool, we're doing that, all right, cool, that's cool. But like, people who I'd done Broadway shows before were just like, this is not how it goes. Like, I don't, I've never done this before. And I'm like, huh. well, I guess it's the first time for everything, right. right? So like, for me, it was just all like, it can only go up from here. It can't get any worse than like what this is, you know. And so I kind of just took it as that, like it might be a stressful process. It might be like a very unorthodox way of rehearsing a Broadway show. But because it was my first, I was just like, I'm ready for anything. And mm. I was just taking rolling with the punches and just going with the flow as much as I could. Do you find yourself weighing the facts that you are inherently, again, this is something that I cringe when I say mm. representing black men with the work that you take on, mm-hmm. which is not your responsibility right. to do, but... This is how the world views it, right? right? I definitely try to take pride in saying no to roles and yes to certain roles. Mm. Um, like, I, I try to stay away from, like, the thug role and, like, yeah. the drug dealer role and, like, whatever that is because it's, like, one, that's not me. <laughs> like, it's just not me. And then, um, like, two, it's just, like, how many times do we have to see this? It's, like, yes. we've seen this so many times and... For me, it's just like I want to take, I want to do the roles that like I want to do the the, the 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 biographic roles where I'm I'm representing somebody in like in real life where I can I have things to pull from and stories to pull from and I can talk to people about them and try to get all this information about them to make this really well shaped and rounded character. Yeah. Um, you know, like a, a swaggy thug or a drug dealer. You know, it's just it's kind of like your mind goes to one thing and that's all it is. And so I try to stay away from those roles because they're very stereotypical and usually cast as like black people are cast as them or like Spanish or Hispanics. And it's just like, you know, that's not, that's not all there is. Um, and like surrounding that just sort of stereotypical character. And so um, I definitely take pride in saying no to those roles and trying to do more roles that are like, ooh, like I've never really seen a black actor or a minority actor do a role yeah. like this. So like yeah. I try to do those things so I can branch out. And like you said, like I'm representing, even though I don't, I'm not representing black men and or a, a minority men in like a like directly whatever I do I'm I'm representing them you know and so I try to take that with pride and I try to like hold that strong to me and know that like whatever I do they're going to judge me and they're going to judge other people based on what they see in me as well so I try to put my best foot forward and everything so that I can open doors for the people who are coming behind me I hear you and talking about that because this is a good segue into my next question What are some of the narratives that you feel are still missing when it comes to telling the fullest, most nuanced stories about young black men in particular? Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's I think right now in the in the world we're in, like there's so much more room for 
men being able to show emotion, men being mm. able to show their feelings, men being able to dress a certain way. The spectrum of what masculinity is has broadened so much in our world today. There's way more things that we can bring out that like are new to the to the industry and that are, are just like more truer to ourselves as well, you know. I think that that's really exciting for me yeah. that like oh now there's sci-fi roles that black men can play i can be a love interest and oh i can do this and it's just the things that i'm able to do i just feel like i'm not boxed in anymore in terms of like you can only do a select amount of these roles and then everything else is for everybody else yeah. but these are for y'all so like just <laughs> y'all fight over this little box of roles and then everybody else can have these roles and um I feel like that box is just being widened and widened and widened. And it's really just really exciting as like a young actor in this world today that there are so many more roles and so many more ways of playing these roles that are just like so exciting to me as a young actor. And um, I hope it excites like other young actors as well, because I think the amount of roles and opportunities out there for us are like way more than they mm. were 10 years ago, you know? And we still have a long way to go. Still have a right? very long way to go. We have to stop saying fists. Right. We have to go to seconds and 50ths and 500ths and, and thousands. Until, and... It's like, until it's just like, yes, he's playing the role and it doesn't matter what doesn't you know, color matter. he is, what, what ethnicity exactly. he is. So. How do you think this differs on stage versus on screen representation? What are some of the differences that you have seen? And how far do you think Broadway has to go when it comes to diversity and diverse representation? I think Broadway has a ways to go. I think TV and film is a little better. Just from my experience, I feel like I've seen more black and brown faces on TV mm. than I have leading Broadway shows than I have, you know. I, I You see a lot of black and brown faces in the ensemble of shows, but you don't mm. hardly ever really see them playing principal or lead characters unless the show is a black and brown show, mm. like based on their experiences. But like when you take a show like West Side Story, and flip it on its head like my revival right. did and you make the Jets not just white but American and then you ah. show the spectrum of what Americans look like. And that's really exciting because, you know, I've had kids come up to me at the stage door like I've never thought like I would see a black man play riff. Just seeing you on stage like that has ah. made me so excited to act. And I'm like, that's what it's about. If I like literally, like I said, Hamilton is what pr pushed me to do theaters because I saw myself on stage because of those actors being black and brown. You know, mm. they weren't just white actors, but they were they they, they had color to them. And I was like, exactly. they're, and they're leading the show and they're winning Tony Awards. Isn't and that awesome? And I was like, this is beautiful. Yeah. So then I was like. Maybe there really is a future for me. And the thing is, like, I was in high school and I was like, oh, West Side Story is great. I love West Side Story, but I'll never be in West Side Story ah. if they do it the, the traditional way. And come to find out, they're, they change up West Side Story and then I'm playing one of the lead characters. And that was 2015 in high school and then 20, going to 20, 25 years later, I'm on Broadway in West Side Story. So it's kind of just so crazy how you sort of speak things into existence without knowing you're speaking it into existence. My teacher told me in high school, like, you'll be in West Side Story. And I was like, huh? Excuse yeah. me? No, I won't. Not with this color skin. I won't be in West Side Story. But when they flip it on its head and they do unorthodox things with shows and they, you know, they make them... They make them more present in terms of what's happening in the world today. I think it just makes it more, way more exciting and it is able to reach a much wider audience than it would before. To me, it seems like it's so important to change or snap out of conditionality of what is American. Growing up in Pakistan, I thought American was white. Mm -hmm. Like I conflated that to American, mm -hmm. America being American, right? It's so important to flip that script 
And that's what we are doing. We should be doing a lot more, but we are at least trying, right? right? And that's so important. How is storytelling different on stage? Storytelling on stage, I think you have a lot more of a job to do as an actor um, because Mm -hmm. most of it's coming from your physical nature. Most of it's coming from, like, when you're on TV and film, the camera can, you know, we're zoomed in right now, so all you you really need to do is move an eyebrow. You know, but on stage, the people who are in the rare mezzanine can't see you just move an eyebrow, you know? So you need to make it bigger. I think theater is just more of a whole body experience. It's more of, like, I know everyone in here is looking at me and they need to be able to see me from the front row to the back row. But in TV and film, it's just like the camera does a lot of that work for you oh, in terms yeah. of making it making it more intimate or making it seem like it's more distant. Um, so, you know, it's a different, a little bit of a different craft, I want to say, in terms of like what you need to do. Like you need to be more subtle, but it's not really that. It's just being more, I think TV and film is just being more dropped into the world of like, you don't have to... You don't have to yell. You don't have to project your voice so much that it hits the back row. But you really just need to, like, hit the person who's talking to you right in front of you. You know, like, if we were in TV and film having this conversation, I wouldn't be, like, yelling at you from across the room. (laughs) But if we were on a Broadway stage, I might have to do that so that the audience behind you can hear me as well. Mm. So it's just little subtle differences like that um, that you kind of just learn through experience and, um, like, doing it. And I feel like Broadway is the eight time, the eight shows a week thing. It's very it's very difficult it's very very taxing on your body you have little time to really Mm. chill with friends like you only have monday off so that one day i remember my friends would be like oh you have monday off chill with me and i'd be like bro i am so tired don't even talk (laughs) like don't talk to me i don't want to see i can't leave my house i'm tired i need to rest my body and so um in tv and film it's just like you get it right once all good like that's all we needed you know so it, it it comes and goes. I feel like for me, performing on a Broadway stage eight times a week was super fulfilling. Yeah. And I think, I don't know if TV and film would give me that same fulfillment because of, like, you know, you do it once and then you sort of watch it on screen and that's what it is, you know. that's There's nothing else you can really do about it. But Broadway, you get to, like, sort of relive and recreate that experience yeah. every night, which is super, super fun and super fulfilling. I'm sure it's a lot more rewarding, right? <laughs> <laughs> but but here's the thing. You mentioned physical toll. I am pretty sure there is an emotional toll as well, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do to self care? Like, are there? Do you have a routine? For me, I I definitely have a routine in terms of like when my when I when my life is surrounding something because it was like when I was surrounding what's that story? I was like, what's that story is my life right now, and I need to make sure that I'm ready. Hmm. My body is ready. My mind is ready to do what's that story. Hmm. And so um, I definitely created a routine. You know, you just got to have a routine. You got to have something that you can fall back on when times are getting stressful so that you can that you know that you're there, that you know you're present, that you're aware of yourself. So I definitely had a routine, you know, whether that was like going to the gym before the before the show and just working out and make sure my body was ready physically, whether that was listening to music and just getting my mind in like meditation in that way. Um, whether it was just doing a warm up or like talking to friends before shows or things like that, you definitely just learn your own sort of schedule, I want to say, and your own sort of setup and start to like how you go about doing uh. the thing, you know. And TV and film is a little bit more random, you know. Right. What I'm like you might you might go to sleep at 10 p.m. one night and you need to be up at 5 a.m. the next morning, and you know like that's just what it is. And then you don't you don't, like call times and stuff like that, but. Having a schedule like Broadway where you know where you need to be at what time every day, every week for like the, for six months at a time is like, all right, well, I definitely yeah. got to create a routine surrounding this. And 
I think everybody finds it. It's different for everyone. You know, some people need to like go on a run. Some people need to go on a walk. Some people don't need to do anything. And it just, it, you find it with just doing the show and doing and going about it. Because eight times a week, you really don't understand how hard that is until you're like four shows in a week and you're like, oh my God, I have four more. Right. <laughs> like, this is going to be hard. But like, like I said, it's just, you, we do it because we love it. And if you don't love it, it's going to be a hard craft and sort of just fake it till you make it. So I want to pivot a little and talk about representation. Mm-hmm. Um, we've talked about it throughout the interview, but I just, it's difficult for me to talk about representation without talking about limitations that come with it, mm-hmm. especially for people like you and I, mm-hmm. right? Um, I feel like you and I have limited leverage when it comes to ensuring diversity in entertainment arts ecosystem mm-hmm. right we are not media executives studio executives right. we are not heads of streaming platforms right. do you think it's even fair to ask people of color about representation do you think we should be holding other people who make these decisions, the decision makers, mm-hmm. accountable for that? I think absolutely we should be holding them accountable. You know, as an actor, I don't have the power to right. cast a show. You know, I only have the power to bring myself to it and whoever's around me, I have the power to work with them or not work with them. As an actor, what is in my power is doing a good enough job ah. so that I can open the door for people behind me. You know, and that's for me, that's what I try to do. I try to leave a good first impression and I try to open the door and leave a crack in it at the bare minimum so that someone else can either put their foot right where my foot was and then, you know, crack the door open more or just like, you know, be able to peek in and just see what's happening. I think being a, a African-American man born and raised in New York City, born yeah. and raised in Brooklyn and sort of just going about this craft, it's super important for me to try to open doors for more more people who look like me to yeah. come on stage, you know. And I think Westside was really special to me because I felt like when I looked at that stage, I saw people of all different types. Hmm. And it was beautiful. That's why it was really special to me. But I absolutely don't think that power should have to fall on us. Right. I don't think that it should it should be our jobs to make that happen. I think it's definitely the jobs of the people who are, one, hiring people, casting people, you know, doing whatever, producing. I think it's their jobs to realize that, there are more stories worth being told than white stories. You can put a black actor in the same role a white actor does, mm. or what you did a white actor, and the story can change completely. I think there's just there's much more room for people to explore that than um, there has been before, mm. and I just hope that we dive more into that direction than sort of staying and being complacent about it. So let's talk about your craft, your work. Um, again, you're so young. You have a long way to go and you've achieved so much. But there's always a level of uncertainty when it comes to having a career as a performer, mm-hmm. right? I imagine. Yeah, <laughs> what, no, it definitely does. What is your relationship to the unknown? Do you get stressed about booking your next gig or you just trust the process oh i'm always stressed about booking my next (laughs) gig i'm always i mean i check my email more than i check my anything else like Uh, i'm always like my emails like is there a job there uh an audition anything like that i'm always just looking at my email i can be at a bar on a saturday night 10 p.m and i'm like i get an email about a job yet like just looking at it like i need it um it's definitely i try not to worry about it i try to just accept it and know that like Something's coming, something's coming, whether it's coming next week or it's coming in six months, something's coming, something's right. coming, you know, and just sort of giving myself that reassurance of like, if I keep working towards it in a positive way and keeping my heart open to whatever's coming 
or whatever whatever's out there i will find something and hopefully it will you know it will pay well and hopefully it'll be fulfilling enough for mm. i love what i'm doing because i feel like there's nothing worse than doing a job that you hate doing right and because then it's really a job but if you love what you're doing it's not really a job for me it's more of a learning experience it's more for me it's just more of a life experience yeah. um and i'm very happy to i'm very just happy to accept opportunities that come my way whatever they may be as long as like i feel like they're one progressing like i said progressing the spectrum of representation in this uh. industry and also progressing my career forward and just giving me things to work with and you know i, I hope i hope they're not all the same I try to do different things. I try to like keep dance in my life. Like ever since the pandemic happened, I wasn't really dancing at all. And then sort of once I started going back out and looking for careers, all I've been doing is dancing now. Ah. And that's what I started off with was dance. So it's weird how, you know, you you'll find those things that come back into your life and get you started going on that path again. And I'm just really happy that I was able to find that through dance post ah. the post the I mean post pandemic, even though we're still you know dealing with it, but just just post all like the really traumatic stuff happening mm-hmm. and now that the that the world and the city's opening back up i feel like dance is really what's driving me forward through my career right now and i'm just mm-hmm. i'm really happy mm-hmm. about it any lesson that you've learned in the process thus far anything that you want to share yeah definitely for me it was like never get too attached to something that's temporary ah. um like you know i felt like i was when Westside was happening with like pre-pandemic I was super attached to it and I was like oh I love this show and I just can't wait to like keep doing it and like uh-huh. we're just starting our journey now and then like in ha- pandemic happened and I was still the whole time just hopeful like yeah we're going to come back we're going to come back we're going to come back like don't mm-hmm. worry about it they're going to run out soon and then when they didn't I was kind of just like oh my god mm-hmm. like we're not coming back um and it hurt and I was just like I'm oh sure. like I feel yeah. like I should have let go of this a long time ago because now it's just like what am I doing like I don't have a job now all the all the Broadway shows are pretty much cast already so I can't really audition for any TV I'm auditioning for TV and film but no one's getting back to me like it's mm-hmm. just I I've, I've been doing hundreds of self tapes and I'm hearing nothing so it felt like everything I was trying to do was kind of just running away from me at the time and so I just told myself like never really gets get too attached to something mm-hmm. before the end of it before like it it it's it happens and for me that really what's I really taught me that lesson so like i said never never get too attached to something because especially if it's temporary especially if it's not like permanent hmm i i love that is there any other advice you want to share with young aspiring performers who may want to emulate what you accomplished so far oh absolutely um if i could tell my 16 year old self something i'd tell him keep going out there and testing yourself Mm. Um I think the best thing I did before college was go to a Broadway audition. Yeah. Because once I got to college I was able to n- know what I was striving towards and I like know the kind of work and the kind of effort I, I needed to put in in order to produce good work, you uh. know? And so I would tell you know young aspiring actors if you have the opportunity go out there and test yourself just go out oh. there and see what you're made of and you know even if you fail and fall flat on your face like i have done a, a many a times you'll still learn something in the process and from that moment you'll be able to grow and you'll be able to be more sure of yourself and oh. be more assertive and be more confident and so i believe that testing yourself in the like real professional world of the craft you're in is super important mm. um because there were kids i went to high school with who had never been on a broadway audition they had never 
even like like they might have seen a Broadway show, but they had no idea the process behind mm. that. And so I had seen Broadway shows and I had also seen the process of getting to them. I even gotten a couple of callbacks. So I was just like, okay, like I know sort of where I lie in the world and I know what I need to work on. So when I went to college, I worked on those things Ah. and I was able to, you know, book my first Broadway show before I even graduated college. And I think think it just goes to show. Thank you. Thank you. And I think it just goes to show like, you know, I was testing myself, but I was also working hard towards something Mm -hmm. in the craft and I wasn't just... Like, okay, I'm going to go on Broadway, so I'm going to do my schoolwork when I need to, and then do Broadway auditions. It was just like, I went to Broadway auditions. I learned what I needed to learn. I need to work on this, so let me uh. go to school, work on this, come back, and test myself again. And I just kind of just kept doing that. that. And by my junior year of college, you know, Broadway was, Broadway was calling, and I answered the phone. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> In the end, Jaron, I ask my guests this question, and the funny thing is, people find this question more difficult than the rest of the interview. Mm-hmm. Um, if you were to describe America mm-hmm. in a word or a sentence, how would you do that? I would describe America as a country struggling with its identity at the time, a country struggling with how to create a a world that is comfortable, that is accepting, that is... Um, supportive of all this country and all what this country has to offer for like its people its products its its money its jobs its careers its opportunities i think america is just really right now struggling with who do we want to be how do we want to be seen Mm. and how can we make the world more equitable for everyone that lives here you know and i think that's something that's that we're always going to be struggling with Mm. i think it's something that we could definitely getting we should have gotten better at and could definitely be getting better at but um i think it's it's working towards something and it doesn't just start with the people who are in charge it also starts with the people who like uh, like me and you you know Mm. it starts with us too and it starts with us being more accepting of the people around us and their experiences and i think that america just needs more love really does. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. This was so good. Yeah, no problem. And I am so looking forward to seeing you on Broadway and on screen and stage. (laughs) And you're a great performer and we (laughs) are all so proud of you. So do you want to share your social media information? Yes, no problem. So my Instagram is Daron E. Jones, D-H-A-R-O-N-E-J-O-N-E-S. And uh, you can check out my website, DaronJones.com. Um, Twitter is don't know, so don't follow that. <laughs> I um, do follow you on Twitter, so we'll tag you. Okay, so maybe you'll get it. You'll get it from her. Um, but um, yes, please follow me on my Instagram. Um, hit me up on my website. Um, I love to have conversations. I answer my DMs. I'm pretty good with that. It might take a little bit of time, but I'm pretty good with that. I promise. <laughs> and um, yeah, just you know, spread love, be positive, and uh, keep working. Keep working hard out there. And whatever you, if you keep working hard and you keep being consistent with whatever you're doing, good things will come. I've never seen a Broadway show. I told Duran this after the interview and he gave me some pointers. It didn't take too much convincing though. Duran's passion for his work is obvious, right? While we were talking about the ramp up to his casting as Riff, you can hear the emotion in his voice. As he's a young black man from Brooklyn and I'm a woman from Pakistan, 
Duran and I couldn't be more different. But as he said, it starts with us. We are both affected by the power structures involved in who chooses to represent our communities through media. Duran has had such a fun, fulfilling career so far and he's only 23. Yeah, let that sink in. I cannot wait to see how he grows and pushes his craft. Thank you for listening to Immigrantly. Please follow us on our Instagram at Immigrantly Park.